to Destiny of Music. I'm Odie. And I'm Ben. And it's not just us. We got a Minecraft Creeper and Mickey Mouse. Welcome to today's podcast. We're going to be talking about the ukuleles and some other instruments that I found. And they're not even instruments, really. And we're going to be talking about the ukulele's history and other stuff about it. Because this podcast is called Destiny of Music. If you like what we do here, like and subscribe and comment down below. You can also find us on all of the podcast forms. There it is. And to start it off, Ben is going to tell us some history of the ukulele. When most people think of the ukulele, they think of Hawaii. That isn't far from the truth, but the history of the ukulele isn't quite that simple. Even more interesting is what has happened to the instrument since it reached the mainland of the United States, and how it has affected music since. While early ukuleles only date back to around 1880, we still have plenty of history to cover and look into. The origin of the ukulele is highly attributed to Hawaii, though it was first developed and used on the Madeira island of Portugal, where it was called a machete. Once the machete was adopted in Hawaii, it was redesigned to make it easier to learn and play. Hawaiians then started making the instrument out of native wood, koa, and adjusted the tuning, finishing the transformation from a machete to the ukulele we know today. The ukulele is still highly linked with music from Hawaii, where the name translates as jumping flea, possibly because of the movement of a player's fingers. The earliest Portuguese immigrants arrived in Hawaii to work in the sugarcane fields. When they arrived safely, they would celebrate with Portuguese folk songs played on the four-string machete. In August 1879, less than two weeks following their arrival, the Hawaiian Gazette reported of a band of Portuguese musicians who had been delighting people with the night street concerts using a strange instrument that looked like a cross between a guitar and a banjo. After the Gazette report, the newly minted ukulele rose to popularity among the native population and eventually became Hawaii's national instrument. Two of the immigrants by the names of Augusto Diaz and José do Espirito Santo helped the growing interest by opening their own instrument shop in Honolulu, the first of its kind. The royal family at that time, particularly King David Kalakaua, an accomplished musician and composer, also loved the instrument and started to learn how to play it while promoting its existence. Diaz developed a long-standing relationship with the king, becoming a regular performer at the palace. As tourism to the Hawaiian Islands picked up in the early 1900s, not only were visitors from the mainland enchanted with the music and culture of the island, but Hawaiian musicians started crossing the Pacific and playing in San Francisco along the West Coast. During the 1915 celebration of the completion of the Panama Canal, a Hawaiian pavilion exhibited hula dancers and musicians which quickly turned into one of the more popular exhibits. The ukulele became a symbol of love of the land and support for Hawaiian sovereignty during an era of great political turmoil with the monarchy trying to maintain the country's independence. As Hawaii became more popular and started to see visitors and immigrants, the instrument slowly spread to other countries. In Japan, Yukihiko Haida introduced the instrument following his return from the island in 1929. Haida and his brother, Katsuhiko, enjoyed rapid success in Western music while popularizing the ukulele, particularly with Hawaiian and jazz-style music. In Japan today, ukulele is considered a second home for Hawaiian musicians and ukulele virtuosos. 
Demand for the ukulele in the UK rose in the 20th century as well. Enthusiasts noted that its portability and simplicity to play were the main contributing factors to its rise in popularity. Comedian George Formby and Tessie O'Shea are some of the most famous ukulele players in the region. In the United States, the popularity of the ukulele boomed between 1915 and 1920. The Hawaiian Islands became a mainstream topic for musicians and writers of the day, and the mainland became aware of the uke. Instrument manufacturers saw the growth as a perfect opportunity to make and sell scores of ukuleles in the United States, leading to Hawaiian instrument makers to file a patent on the uke and a variety of sizes were developed. During the Great Depression, the ukulele took a step back in popularity, probably due to the harsh realities of the time. This isn't the greatest period in the history of the ukulele, as the times definitely dampened the instrument's popularity. It wouldn't be long until the ukulele came back, though, making a strong resurgence after World War II, all the way through the 60s. Author Godfrey and Tiny Tim both played the instrument on TV and on stage, exposing the uke to the masses and building a strong association with it. Also during the late 1940s to 1960s, plastic manufacturer Mario Macaferri produced 9 million inexpensive ukuleles to fuel its growth. Though plastic was used because of its relatively cheap value, wood was and still is the preferred material type when creating ukuleles. With popular music going electric in the 70s and 80s, the ukulele once again took a backseat. It wasn't until the 90s with musicians like Israel Kamakawikuwole and Jake Shimabukuro repopularized the instrument with huge billboard hits. In the 20th century and early 21st century, plenty of famous ukulele players have made their name with this fun little instrument. Today you can find the ukulele everywhere as it regularly makes appearances on TV, radio, movies, and especially YouTube, where there are great websites like Yuku Guides dedicated to the instrument. And now I'm going to start off with playing the ukulele. what the ukulele sounds like. And now Ben is going to start us off with history of the drums. Drums and percussion instruments play a rhythmic role in nearly every genre of music, spanning centuries and continents. From early drums made from gourds to the electronic drums of today, the history of drums involves a wide array of musical styles. When were drums invented? Artifacts from China suggest that percussionists played drums made from alligator skins as far back as 5500 BC, and iconography from ancient Mesopotamian, Egyptian, Greek, and Roman cultures show the use of drums in religious ceremonies and cultural gatherings. Evidence suggests that both hand drums and drums played with beaters evolved simultaneously. Who invented the drum? Music historians generally do not credit individuals with the invention of specific drums. Like most musical instruments, different drums slowly evolved over centuries of innovation. The same is true of drum beaters, such as drumsticks and felted mallets. A brief history of drums around the world. Examples of ancient drums trace back millennia throughout Africa, Asia, and the Middle East. Drums and cymbals, the basis of a modern drum set, are visible in bas reliefs of ancient Greece and Syria, in relief sculpture from ancient Mesopotamian and Sumerian societies, 
and in artifacts from Neolithic China. All throughout the globe, humans found ways to fashion drumheads from animal skins. Among the earliest known examples of percussion instruments are ideophones, made from mammoth bones found in present-day Belgium. These instruments are thought to date from 70,000 BC and are ideophones, which means they produce sound via the vibration of the entire instrument. The kinds of drums used by today's drummers have precursors in the musical instruments of ancient Mesopotamia and ancient Egypt. These cultures used frame drums, that is, drum heads stretched over a shallow wooden frame, that were the forebearers of 20th century snare drums and tom-toms. Once those drums were built, idiomatic drumming techniques and drum sounds emerged within each culture. The drum history of Europe traces its roots to early Middle Eastern traditions. The kettle drums, or timpani, of European classical music likely came from Egyptian and Turkish cultures. The classical bass drum also had its roots in the Ottoman Empire. The five-piece drum kit that helped shape American jazz and rock music contains drums adapted from European classical instruments. The kick drums and double bass drums of today's popular music come from classical bass drums. The snare drums used by rock, pop, and jazz drummers alike come from the side drums of marching bands. The modern drum kit as we know it likely traces to early 20th century New Orleans, where jazz drummers like Warren Baby Dodds assembled a drum set using classical instruments. Some of these instruments had to be modified, such as the bass drum. In classical music, the drummer plays it with handheld mallets, but in popular music, the drum rests on the floor and the drummer plays it with a bass drum pedal. The foot pedal as we know it is credited to a single inventor, William F. Ludwig of the Ludwig Drum Company. And I'm going to be playing the drum. It's a handmade drum. We put it in last episode. This is what the other drum sounds like. And that's what uh, a different drum sounds like. And those were our only two instruments that we got history about. All right, and now we'll listen to some music featuring the drums and the ukulele. And first up is the ukulele. A long, long time ago, there was a volcano Living all alone in the middle of the sea He sat high above his bed, watching all the couples play And wishing that he had someone too And from his lover came this song of hope That he sang out loud Every day for years and years I have a dream I hope will come true That you're here with me And I'm here with you I wish that the earth see the sky up Above will send me someone to love. Her. 
years of singing all alone turned his lava into stone until he was on the brink of extinction. But little did he know that living in the sea below another volcano was listening to his song. Every day she heard his tune, her lava grew and grew because she believed his song was meant for her. Now she was so ready to meet him above the sea as he sang his song of hope for the last time. I have a dream I hope will come true that you're here with me and I'm here with you. I wish that the earth, sea, and the sky up above will send me someone to love. Rising from the sea below stood a lovely volcano. Looking all around, but she could not see him. He tried to sing to let her know that she was not there alone, but with no lava, his song was all gone. He filled the sea with his tears and watched his dreams. Disappear as she remembered what his song meant to her. I have a dream I hope will come true that you're here with me and I'm here with you. I wish that the earth, sea, and the sky up above will send. So happy to finally meet above the sea All together now their lava grew and grew No longer are they all alone with Aloha as their new home And when we visit them this is what they sing I have a dream I hope will come true that you'll grow old with me And I'll grow old with you We thank the earth, sea, and the sky We thank to our lava
So, we also do PE and music and video game. Today is a blend of music and video game. So, passing it to Ben. Well, the video games that I've been playing mostly have been on my phone. I've really enjoyed digital pool game that I found and a space shooter game that's kind of like Galaga for anyone who's old enough to remember that video game. And guys, both of those video games that Ben has, I have too. Have you played the pool game? I do enjoy the pool game and the fight shooter game. Those ones are pretty good. I also have other games, so yeah. What's been your favorite game of lately? My favorite video game would probably be the shooter game and another. I like battery low, bike racing, bot world, car driving. I also like Minecraft. There's a lot of games that I like. Yeah, you're pretty into video games, but I always assumed your favorite game was Minecraft. Well, it is. I don't normally pay it play it, but I'm more watch into watching YouTube. I never really get to play games. Well, why don't you put the YouTube down and play more video games if that's what you want to do? I mean, like, once I turn on YouTube, I can't stop. Oh, you got a YouTube addiction, then. Yeah, I got a TV addiction. And a video game addiction. Screens. <clears throat> yeah, well, maybe we can limit some of your YouTube time so that you can have time for video games. Sure. I also have another addiction that's weird. What's that? I like, like, putting my toothbrush under the sink water and then stopping the sink water and then putting the brush in my mouth and sucking the water. I like cold and hot water on that. (laughs) It's weird. That is interesting. All right, were there any other video games that you wanted to talk about? Hmm, yeah. I also like City Takeover. What do you do in that game? Where you draw a line to another colored place and the number will tell you until that certain color becomes your color. My color in this game is blue. Very cool. Do you play any puzzle games? Mm, No, I'm not into puzzles on anything as I used to. Well, that does it for episode two, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Make sure to like and subscribe. Bye. Peace out.